original thinker, entrepreneur, and inventor can pinpoint it. The exact moment they changed things forever. But how did it happen and why? You can either help make change happen or change will happen to you. Each month on The Catalyzers, digital transformation expert Mark Russell speaks with the amazing people who drove change in positive, profound, and disruptive ways. This must-hear podcast will show how you can become a catalyzer. Today, we have all five Burton sisters from Five Sisters Productions. Jennifer, Ursula, Gabrielle, Charity, and Maria Burton helm the indie film company, Five Sisters Productions. It's committed to making movies that are entertaining and also contribute to a sense of hope on a personal and social level. They're also real-life sisters. Together, they have made six feature films and numerous shorts, commercials, and award-winning documentaries. Their work has included Temps, a movie that follows 520-something, a short-form comedy series called Old Guy, which is about ageism, a documentary on gender, kings, queens, and in-betweens, and a wonderful movie, Manna from Heaven, which stars Oscar winners Shirley Jones, Cloris Leachman, and Louise Fletcher. And now for our latest episode of The Catalyzers. Hello, welcome to The Catalyzers. I'm here with the Burton Sisters from Five Sisters Productions, a film production company based out of L.A. So happy to have them here today. And I was just going to have them all introduce themselves. Uh, Of course, there's five of them. So why don't we start with you, Jennifer, and go around the table just so we can put a name with the voice. Sure. Uh, This is Jennifer, and I'm number two, so I'm often introducing myself second. But aha, I get to be first. And I'm not sure what around the table is for you. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, (laughs) Gabrielle, why don't you go next? I'm Gabrielle Burton. I am sister number four. And what's particularly funny about this, Mark, is that we grew up with this thing of a first turn where we each had a special day of the week. So actually, today being Monday, Maria really should go first because she's number one and it's Monday. So I'll I'll throw it to Maria next. Thank you. It's about time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Maria. I'm the eldest and I'm a director as well as producer, obviously, with our Five Sisters Productions company. Next Ursula. Hi, my name is Ursula and the third sister. And uh, well, we all produce together and I also work as an actor and director. And I'm Charity and Charity Burton. And I am the fifth sister and um, a producer as well. And I also am a teacher with LA Unified School District. That's great. I just I love that there's a batting order. (laughs) <laughs> and, our parents and, used and, to have us count off actually so we, we really stuck to this uh one two three four five business that's how they kept track of you right they could tell we were all in the car <laughs> seriously it's true to make sure everyone was in the car that's great <laughs> so good well let's get started i'd love for you to share your journey it's such an incredible journey and a great story And our listeners, you have to remember, they're catalyzers. They're people who want to change the world in small and or profound ways. And they're looking for tips and tricks. They're looking for insights from successful people 
like you all, and they also love to hear stories about how people started and where they wound up. And so no better story than Five Sisters Productions. Our working together really started way back when we were growing up together. We had this combination of independence and also working together as a family. So Gabrielle mentioned that we had first turn and that was one day a week. We each would be in charge of cooking a meal and doing other important things. And we also got the benefits. And so we had this sense that we did things ourselves, but also that it was in the interest of a larger unit, right? So it's like creating a project together, creating, making a family that runs well together. And it really segued quite naturally to, to working together and making films together, this combination of independence and being part of something larger than the self. If, if I may, this is charity. It, it allows us to have a kind of shorthand with each other that we're able to, since we know each other so well, and we've been able to work with each other in different ways, traveling together and being in charge of different things, different parts of the journey, like the finances or the meals or whatever came upon in the the journey. We really are able to talk to each other and communicate in a way that I think a lot of people have to learn on set how to do, where we don't have to do that. We just have a shorthand. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm going to share with the listeners that I know the Burton sisters. We all went to Amherst High School together, right? And uh, grew up in Amherst, New York, outside of Buffalo, New York. And (laughs) go Tigers, right? And so I have to imagine that your parents, who, who I have met and really got to know well, they must have played a really large role in kind of the family business. Why don't you talk about that? I know Ursula, you said my parents were our mentors. So maybe talk about that and what they meant to you guys. Oh, I'd be happy to. Both my parents were just people who lived life very fully and had such interesting lives. And they really included us in those, their work, as well as just family decisions. I think my mother being a writer, she was always reading us every night what she'd written that day and would talk about choices she was making in terms of language or where the story was going. We saw her editing year after year. We saw her get rejections, 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 one after another, and then have huge successes. And that really prepared us, I think, for the challenges of being in the arts. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about filmmaking. I know our listeners would be really fascinated. So when I was working at uh, Team Detroit, I think we approached you to come up with a concept around Ford vehicle owners. We were doing all of Ford's marketing around the world, and we asked you to help us tell some stories. And so that was a really wonderful project that, that we did together. Let's talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea for Faces of Ford, because that came out of all of you. And then let's talk a little bit about, you know, how do you make a, a film series for a company like Ford? And also a little bit of who does what, the mechanics of making a, a video series like that. I think it'd be fascinating for our listeners to hear. Well, this is Maria. I I think one thing that is always interesting to us is to tell stories of people that have been underrepresented. And so this was an opportunity to tell, like, we had this uh, wonderful older man who'd had his Mustang forever. And it was just uh, such a kick to find him and tell his story and his other 
older guys that he hung out with at the coffee shop. And it's interesting because then later we went on and did our series Old Guy and, and realized how older people are so often stereotyped and, and not told as uh, full people. And then we did like these firefighters and there was a woman firefighter, which at the time was very rare. It's still probably much fewer than 50%, but it was certainly rare when we were doing it. And it was really exciting to be able to feature her and the Ford trucks that they were using. So I just think even in that way, it's a, it was a great opportunity. So one thing that we've been very aware of is telling multiple perspectives and telling many different characters. So actually Faces of Ford was a great example of that, half the history that we're doing now, which is a series on women in American history, where you can tell many, many people's smaller stories. And altogether, they add up to show the complexity of for the Ford example, people's relationship to cars is there's just all these wonderfully rich, different kinds of relationships. And often some perspectives aren't shown in the media. So one thing that we've really been aware of is bringing out stories that are not heard as often and also often having either a series or having an ensemble film or some other way where it's really impossible to stereotype. All of these different kinds of voices, you can't say, well, this is what a car owner is, right? Or this is what a woman is, or this is what a black person's experience is. You can't do it because you have all of these different stories happening. And, you know, it, it, it just shows that individuals have different experiences, even while they may share some experiences of systemic discrimination or other sorts of experiences of passions or goals that they have together. The pandemic, it's probably changed how and when movies get made. Have you seen a, a shift and a difference? And It was happening already, but the pandemic sped it up. It's the fact that things were moving onto the streamers and when, you know, Netflix is making a movie and they want people to subscribe, they want it only available to their subscribers. Do they also release it in theaters? Maybe yes for award consideration, but not too much because they want people to have to come there. And so with the pandemic where people couldn't go out to theaters, it really has changed things. And there's a lot of talk within the industry of trying to figure that out. People don't want to kill the movie going experience. Ursula, I don't know if you want to talk about our charity about Old Guy, just all coming together. Yes, we had filmed Old Guy and we decided when the pandemic hit, almost all shooting shut down. People hadn't quite figured out, you know, how to do that safely. And then as the pandemic wore on, things started to shift. And now it's really interesting being on a set. It's, there's a lot of PPE and, and there's COVID tests every day and things like that. It's very interesting. So what we decided to go back to Old Guy and finish it up and release it and do an Emmy campaign for it. And it was, it was a really joyous experience actually, because we had the time to really focus on it fully and and sort of celebrate that project. And it was just, it was really joyful, like having it online and having people get to experience it. This Gabrielle, I was going to say the reason that we released that online directly and for free was because in the beginning of COVID, everyone was so isolated and it's a comedy about ages. And also that there was this huge rise of ageist messaging going out connected with COVID about older people being expendable. So you see that, you know, we are talking about people aren't appearing on screen 
you know, they, you don't have people represented on screen or behind the camera as well. And some of that stuff is trying to be addressed now in the past few years. And this was an active step we could take to address countering this ageist messaging and showing how people really vibrant on screen can be really funny and fun. And, and it also then provided a moment of relief for audiences to have something to laugh about. For sure. I can attest to that it's very funny. <laughs> and it, it's a really great show to watch. I've always really enjoyed that and gone back a few times to do so. Ursula, so this question's kind of for you. I mean, you worked with Steve Carell and on The Office and talk a little bit about how something like that comes to be. Most people probably don't know, like, how does someone land in a you know such a famous TV show and have yeah. such a great role, right? Yeah, I had been a fan of the British version, which came out long before the American version did. And when I heard that it was going to be redone here in America, I so wanted to read for it. I felt I was so right for it. I just knew I was going to be on the show. And uh, I, I was unable to get an audition at the time. And then I happened to read for this casting director when I was quite pregnant. And when this role came up, she thought of me and thought, I wonder if Ursula's had her baby because they were looking for this woman who was going to be breast pumping in the office. And so sure enough, I had just had my baby like a month before. And I went in and read for Hannah and it ended up being seven episodes, which was quite wonderful. And it was such a surreal experience because on the show, I was fake pumping, but in my real life, I was really pumping like in this broom closet on set between takes. So it was just total like life and art imitating each other, you know, confusion. But it really turned out to be a terrific year and it was a great show. I really enjoyed everybody on it. And it was the third season. They were all so thrilled with the success. Everyone was just happy to be there. It was a great experience. I think my favorite part of that story is that here you have this amazing body of work and everybody knows you for so many different acting roles. And she's like, oh, I wonder if Ursula had her baby. <laughs> sometimes it's those you little know, things that trigger. It's, it's fortuitous. And sometimes that's how things get triggered. And It's so true. And I think that your show is for people who are wanting to, to do things. And I think that one of the biggest things you can do is just live your life fully because most everything is timing. You just have to have just had the baby or you're not going to get that job, right? You know, there's, you can't control those things. I mean, if it had been six months earlier, I, I wouldn't have gotten it. It's really interesting. I actually was concerned about having a baby because I thought it might be the end of my acting career. And you just have to make your life choices at some point. It, you know, it was one of those experiences where actually that, that opened up that door for me. So I think it's like you just have to do your thing and be ready for the opportunity when it comes along. And now that Ursula's directing... She got cast as a director on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curious if you like directing more than acting. Oh, no. You know, I came up an actor, obviously, but I think very early on, we all had conversations about how you have very little control over what you get to do as an actor. You know, you're cast and you play that role, but you can't really um, dictate what that's going to be unless you're, you know, huge movie star, say. And so for me... Pretty early on, you know, we started producing to make things that we really cared about. And then I started writing and directing to do things that I wanted to say. And I think it's a wonderful balance between the two, because now when I'm working on a show, I just have to hit my marks and say my lines and other people take care of my makeup and wardrobe. Whereas when I'm doing a project of my own, yes, I have to worry about feeding the crew and all those things, but I have a little bit more control over what ends up on screen. So I think for me, it's a nice balance of 
different parts of my personality. And I think that's the same for all five of us. I think we all have incredible creative sides and we're also really competent at producing and putting our money where, you know, on the screen and share those values. So I think it's just, we're all sort of multi-hyphenates and it works out for us. This is Gabrielle. And I I think an interesting thing about anyone going into any business is that there are always hurdles to overcome. And in the film business, there's systemic hurdles, especially for women um, and people of color. So what are you going to do when you face those things and how can you create ways around them? And what's exciting right now is the system's changing and Maria is on the Directors Guild. She can talk about a lot of the statistics and the work that they've been doing to change that. And what's interesting in that is that the quote unquote system is learning that there are these underserved groups. And so as you get more people behind the camera and in front of the camera, you're seeing that more audiences, you know, more business comes to the table. I'll jump in on that since you set me up, Gabrielle. Thank you. I am on the, in the director's guild and I was on the alternate on the national board and co-chair of the women's steering committee and During the pandemic, it was an amazing time because everybody was available to meet over Zoom. And then, of course, with the killing of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, people's hearts were open to seeing a lot of the problems that we have in our society. And so they were hearing some of those issues, the the biases that we deal with in this business. And there was an enormous amount of change, positive change accomplished within our business. And and so it really has been a great time for opening up for these other stories that have so far really had a difficult time getting the financing. And so we're really excited about some of our stories in that vein, like on the Mercury 13, the women who were tested to be astronauts in the early 60s. We have a script that's won a lot of awards, but it's been optioned a number of times. And so all those factors of being about women made it more difficult. And people are realizing, oh, there is an audience for this. And so we're all doing that together. And we've had a lot of positive reception at this point. Well, you've been a big part of telling that story, the stories of ageism, sexism, racism. So you certainly don't tackle the easy ones. You go after the societal hard ones, which is great. I mean, that's your body of work. That's your change in the world, helping to change those things for the positive. So we have a few questions that I ask everybody that we interview. The first one is, do you all remember the first time you were not just told no, but that your approach and style just would not work? And what'd you do about it? I was thinking, I don't remember the first time we were told no. We can tell you the time we were told no this week. It's it's just something you're constantly told no, and you have to keep going and looking forward and not dwelling on the no's. I mean, you really, probably why I don't remember the no, because you cannot think about them. You just have to maintain that hopeful forward momentum. There's different sorts of experiences. Like with Manna from Heaven, we had a distribution company that was interested. They were a major company. They wanted us to change the characters who are of all ages, and many of them are in their 60s. And Cloris Leachman was, I think, 70 at the time. Louise Fletcher, Shirley Jones, so this amazing cast. Man from Heaven is about what happens when you get this gift, uh, this financial windfall, and you then you find out it's just a loan and you have to pay it back, right? So it happens after 20 years that they find out they have to pay it back. And the 
people in this company wanted us to make it just a few years so that we could have 30-year-olds in the roles because youth was more marketable in their opinion. And we felt so, so strongly that was the point of the story is that it's hope at any age. It's saying that you can have you know, conflicts that seem insurmountable, but if you figure out a way to work together, there are ways to get to a better place at the end. And so that's why we took the direction that we took, which was a different choice. Those kinds of no's also tell us what is important to us, right? So if we're deciding to accept a different direction, it, it tells us what's important. It is true how there are so many opportunities to quit, to say no, but we choose to continue to move on and we choose to tell these stories and we choose to figure out ways to tell our stories that other people might just say, oh, it's too hard. We're going to stop. But we don't because we want to get that message out. We want that change to happen. And we think it's important. I think it's something larger than the self. So a sense of history and also a sense of the future and the sense of the power of media. When people tell us that our stories made a difference in their lives or made a difference in what they thought was possible, that can really get you over a lot of no's. Individual by individual is how often society changes. If people can actively know that in their own lives, they can make a difference and build a community with other like-minded people to create different visions, I think that really will push us to a different place. Yeah. Being a change maker is about how you live as well. And so as my sisters are saying, we early on had to make a decision of what was the brass ring. You have to define the brass ring for yourself rather than having an exterior definition of what it is. And so for us, it has everything to do with the process of the making of the films and then the films themselves. And with each film, they've been a mindful decision. And then in making of the films, we champion people. It's about hiring and speaking up for people who may not have as strong a voice that you can then amplify. And that actually ends up coming up and you know coming around to you because when you create a community that is strengthening and lifting each other up, that's going to lift all the ships. And that's something that is really important when you're going out in any business form is to think about that's the brass ring that we've had movies where someone has said, for instance, on Kings, Queens, and Inbetweens, a number of people have come up and said the movie saved their lives. And that's, if one person did, you've achieved your goal, like you're good. But even if it's just that somebody laughed that day, or you helped someone have a job that day, those are the things you've got to be focusing on. And that's your brass ring. Those are great pearls of wisdom there for sure. It leads to Really, the last question I like to ask, it's about the next generation. What should they be working on themselves? What, what should they be doing to lead change in the future? What would your advice be to the next generation? One thing I think is to really reach out and ask for help. You don't have to do everything alone. We have such a sense of individualism in our country, but it really having a community is going to help you uh, grow and also uh, achieve your goals. Not to be passive too, right? So you can be part of a community, but you also have to be really active. You can't just rely on other people to keep you going. You all have to be pushing forward because I think a lot of people wait for a break to happen and it's not going to happen that way. You have to just keep actively working together towards what you believe in. Yeah. And that actually is exactly what I was going to say. I, th I think you really want to figure out what will give you the biggest bang for your time invested. So I think 
it's good to have an action item list of my A priorities, my B, C, and then just keep working down that list and staying focused and keep going back to what, what can I do on that to actually get this thing accomplished? This is charity. And I think that it's very important to stay true to yourself. So what is your main goal in this project? Or what is that idea that is keeping you awake to actually get it out there? I I think sometimes people lose sight of, oh, I'll just have it done. Or, oh, they're going to give me all this money. So, okay, I can change that or I can change this. And the script gets completely different than what your original project was, which is fine if that is now your new vision. But I think it's important to keep true to yourself. This is Marie again. Whatever you're doing, you find the people you want to work with. You find the people that that your sensibilities speak to. And don't worry about the ones that are different. Okay, Jen, your turn. So everybody has their own unique perspective. Nobody has lived your life. What do you have to say to the world that will give people insight into how another human being has lived and thinks. And I think that's something to keep in mind because often people will chase after something they think is marketable or buzzy and that's not really grounded in what is unique about their vision. Or something they're passionate about because you have to be incredibly passionate to certainly to go into film, (laughs) to television because it takes a long time. Well, there's great advice in there. Thank you so much for being on The Catalyzers. What a wonderful group and amazing insights. Uh, Thank you so much for being here and for sharing so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Catalyzers. If you could, it would be amazing if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts for us so that other catalyzers like you can find the show. Thank you again, and until next time.